Welcome to the Lead Clinic Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Peter Vitale, and today I'm joined by a very special guest, Paul Love with Verse.ai. Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Of course, of course. So, Paul, at a very high level, just tell me a little bit about what Verse is and what Verse does and, you know, how you're helping insurance agents and other folks who are, are buying leads and trying to reach out to their uh, prospective consumers. Sure. Versus uh, many things, but at a high level, we're a conversational uh, texting platform, um, and it's an AI-based platform with a human assist. So we are generally in the business of helping our customers, which many are insurance agents and others, um, to engage and follow up with their leads, but also to have other conversations at other points in the sales funnel. Uh, we do this, like I said, in a hybrid manner where we're uh, generally we're engaging leads immediately if they're live leads, and we're following a script to qualify the leads in most cases. And then when we find a qualified lead, we're, we're going to reconnect that lead with our customer, either through setting an appointment, maybe it's just updating their CRM and they have workflows from that point forward, or we might drive an inbound call to their team or to their call center. Um, and that's at a high level what, what we're doing. And so one of the things you said and one of like the things that I like most about Verse is that there is a human element in addition to AI. And I'll say this, when I first met you, there was not it was not the AI craze like there is today, right? It was before like really the public release of ChatGPT which really drew uh, really drove an AI conversation in this country and like AI became like kind of like the new like hot button thing to say, right? You're not you're not new to AI, um, like so many, you know, so many people are. But there's a human element to verse, and that's what I like. And I guess why is there also a human element, or how do you feel that that benefits your customers? Right. There's a lot of reasons. Um, we have been using AI for a long time, as you said. So many people just weren't aware that there were models that could be leveraged. You know, mm -hmm. we didn't create all of our AI. Um, it's not all proprietary. It never has been. Um, and of course, these days, it's, it gets even better as we integrate open AI and, and some of the AI systems that people have become familiar with recently. Mm -hmm. We still believe that there's a, there's a place for human beings to create authentic conversations. Um, when we're engaged in conversation via text with, with leads, per se, or you know, consumers, um, it helps when they think they're speaking with a human. Yeah. And because we have humans in play, even though they're not in play that often, we can back up we can back it up. And when we need that level of cognitive capability that only a human can bring to the table, um, we have it and we're there to, to do that. And, and therefore, we can structure the entire conversations that we have to, to feel, to, to kind of have the, the assumption in play that, that it is a human conversation. We don't lie about it or mislead consumers saying, you know, that it's, it's all AI or all human. Um, we just, we just, and, and the other thing is, you know, one thing that people never think about because text is so strong, but when you start texting people and this happens to everybody, you know, outside of business as well, there's, there are times when you're like, I don't want to text anymore. I want to talk. And you just call and, yeah. and that happens. So we engage leads via text. 
sometimes they're polite and they say, <laughs> would it be okay if, you know, could you call me instead? And we will. Sure. Uh, but sometimes they don't ask. They just dial the exact same number. And because we have humans on our team, we pick up the phone and finish the conversation on the phone. In most cases, sometimes when that happens, our customers want us to route that call immediately to their team. Yeah, sure. We're very flexible in terms of how we can do all that. And and there are certain things still in the, in the conversations that we have, some of the ones that are more complicated. There are certain elements of it that we believe that humans can still do more effectively, um, in spite of the fact that obviously there's a cost associated with that. So, like looking at it from the perspective of an insurance agent buying leads, because that's probably the vast majority of our customers or, or what they do, insurance agents who are buying leads, what would be, you know, I'm trying to think of an example of like, is it just something that like, a human may say in a way in which AI doesn't understand or why would necessarily, what would trigger a human to be engaged? Well, so there's a couple things that can do that. Um, sometimes people respond by writing a book. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you know. <laughs> Me, like, usually. You yes. Know, are you currently insured? It, we're hoping it's Boolean and it's yeah. kind of a yes or no question, but, you know, sometimes some somebody might say, well, I was, but I had this horrible accident and now, you know, my wife is sick and she's in the hospital and they might, you know, because literally she's write. sick and in the hospital, I forgot to pay the bill. Many the paragraphs. Yeah, sure. Um, and the, it's going to confuse the AI, right? The AI is not going to have a high level of confidence, the same level. A, a human can read all of that and immediately get the gist of it and figure out what's relevant for where we're trying to go <laughs> with the conversation. <laughs> and maybe AI will get to that point at some point, but... That's one of the examples is okay. where there's verbose kind of verbose responses that will throw the AI off. And it's really, you know, versus promise to our customers is that it's never going to be perfect, but it's it's very it's a very high probability that the conversations won't go off the rails, mm -hmm. right? Because we're good enough at recognizing when the AI is not going to handle it perfectly. Um, to make sure that a human mind is looking at that conversation at the same time. So that's that's one that's one example. Other ones are are kind of um, questions that have like numeric intents, right? When you ask somebody what's their electricity bill or what's their credit score, those are often also situations where they might throw out several numbers, even though it may not be a long response. Yeah. Um, you know, my credit score was six thirty, but fortunately it went up to six fifty yeah. last week. You know what do you do, right? If, mm -hmm. AI is getting a lot better. Obviously, we're we're every month that goes by the the number of situations that we would pass to a human being to look at um, is is obviously decreasing, right? We're we're able to handle more and more with AI, but those are some of the some of the situations that can cause it. We we try and structure we try and structure conversations to solicit Boolean responses. That makes um, sense. But you know we have customers who they. When you think about what you're what you're asking or what what these conversations look like, there's there's really two kinds of questions. There's questions that are qualifying questions, mm -hmm. and therefore, depending on how somebody answers, we're either done or we're not. Sure. Right. And then there's questions that are information gathering, where you know additional information is helpful to the business as they go about the next part, you know, further down the funnel, right? The next step in the funnel. With the open-ended questions that are information gathering, we don't really care what they say and doesn't yeah. matter if we can interpret it accurately, right? Got it. It's the qualifying questions that determine whether or not we're going to continue, continue with this lead or disqualify them and move them out of the way. That's where it's critical with that we, you know, do it right. <laughs> and so, like, when I look at it from an insurance agent's perspective, like, you could ask qualifying questions that maybe... The person even filled out on the lead form, but maybe we want to ask 
a follow-up question to that. So like, are you currently insured? And then we could ask a question and we could program versus say, you know, have you been currently insured for the past six months or year or things like that? And that could go down the funnel and you could disqualify instead of disqualifying it with a human expense in a particular insurance agency, you could disqualify a lead essentially in an automated fashion. Oh yeah. Right away. I mean, the bulk of, the bulk of what we do these days is driven by the AI, right? So most of the qualification or disqualification is getting handled by the AI without the need for human involvement in the conversation. Um, and But also what you're saying about, you know, somebody's filled out a lead form or maybe been through a, a questionnaire on a website and, mm-hmm. and filled out, you know, answered some questions. Um, in many cases, our customers ask us to ask them again. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's additional questions, like you're saying, but there's just a lot of, you know, people are lazy or they're in a hurry. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's many cases where there's just not a lot of faith that what they put into those forms on the website is is real or accurate and that, you know, if we can get away with people it. People move quick. Ask, on, it, ask it again, if it's critical. Yeah, and there might be a publisher, a lead publisher may put a default value or pre-select, you know, an option and someone just keeps clicking next through the form. I mean, I've seen a lot of crazy things, but, you know, when I look at the value of verse, right, people text message and respond to text message probably more so than any other method of communication, right? I think that as as I get older, right, I become one of the few people who answers the phone frequently, talks to people. Like, I prefer texting, no doubt, over, over you know, a conversation most of the time. But I think certainly people who are younger than me, even at a much higher rate than I am, are not answering the phone. But people are responding to text messages. So, Versus prop value proposition to my mind is like we're communicating with people in the most effective way possible, which is through text. We don't have to have humans or, you know, an insurance agent's humans, you know, reviewing and responding to these, but really driving those as an inbound call back into an agency. So my question really is, you know, are you seeing answer rates decline, improve? I mean, I feel like marketers are always pushing the envelope, right? And as we send more text messages, is text going to turn into the next email where people just kind of completely shut it off? Or are people really still responding at really high high levels to text messages, in your opinion? Oh, we still see them responding at really high levels. But I wonder about the same thing. Yeah. Like, in theory, that channel should eventually get saturated and be way harder to penetrate. Yeah. Um, but... One thing about it that's so different, although some companies have managed to get branded calls and, you mm-hmm. know, when, when a call comes in, it's it's not unknown who's calling you. But the reason that I think it, it takes so much longer before text would get to that point is that it's transparent, first of all. You know exactly who's talking to you. And not only, you know, do you know the brand's name, but you know why. You, you can see what this communication is about, mm-hmm. which is really hard to do still on the phone for most people. We're still seeing kind of the same amazing, you know, response rates um, in the texting channel as we do. And and I mean, there's more to do there too. We're starting to experiment with MMS messaging, which is, you know, another way to potentially- increase. Like photo messages or- Yeah, yeah, just kind of um, uh, could be photos, um, not video yet, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, just beyond a text. What would like a use case, like- like what would be an example of an MMS like in in any context, not just specific to insurance? Part of it is just, you know, f- 
going back to what you said, creating something that's differentiated, like hmm. texting is transparent and it's very effective and the, you know, 98% of the messages are read. Those are averages, right? I mean, sure. in a situation where for whatever reason, we believe that maybe some visual would 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 give us even more probability of getting a response. Mm-hmm. Um, we, it's new. Like I, I don't really have yeah. <laughs> great answers. I know we did a black. We just did a Black Friday campaign with one of our okay. customers with MMS. Um, apparently, it was successful. I don't know all the details, but yeah. um, and, and I know there's some other players out there in the in the kind of text engagement space that that use that. Yeah. No. It's um, right. It's always doing something differently is always fascinating to me. And like, yeah, like, I don't know. I, if I saw a picture come through, I think I'm more likely to like look at it than yeah, not look at it. Yeah, it's just rich content. Exactly. Right? I mean, there, that's always been true that mm-hmm. rich content is interesting. Yeah. So, you know, a couple words of text isn't that interesting, you know, relatively yeah. speaking. Sure. I mean, fortunately, it works really well anyway. Mm-hmm. I think as the space evolves, um, there will be there'll be more variation in what a text could look like. So one of the things that I noticed, and right, we used we used Verse at my insurance agency, and, um, you know, that was really kind of the, the pilot that brought us to use it into offering this as a service, an add-on service to lead clinic clients. And, you know, as some of our clients may know who use it, right, there is a you know, versus going to want to work with a client that's spending X number of dollars per, you know, per month or per year. And, you know, we allow our clients who may be smaller than your, you know, target client to use your service through a sub account with us. And when we used Verse internally, we saw that, you know, it was really interesting to me. I called it like one of the strangest examples of human behavior ever, where someone did not respond to a message for literally six weeks and verse very politely just kept a very polite outreach, right? It was just, it was not aggressive. It was not overbearing. It was not every day. It was not every hour. I think in, I like literally like mapped it out on a calendar. In one instance, it wasn't even one message a week. Um, there was like a week there was no messages sent. And then in like the strangest example of human behavior, someone just responded, yes, I'm ready. Call me. And so to me, like I'm the kind of person who generally reads my text messages as they come in or a few hours later at most if I'm in meetings or something. But this was an example where I said no human would ever continue to outreach at that level. It just wasn't going to happen. I see it at the fringes, right? I see people respond right away. And then I say people respond five weeks later, just kind of crazy and, and not as much in the middle, but more on the fringes of timeline. And I, I think that's the benefit, right, of, of what you guys are doing, that no one's going to follow up. But do you think that's the same? Like, I mean, I know you guys work in a lot of different verticals, not just insurance. You guys started what in real estate? Mm-hmm. You know, do you think this holds true? Is this just kind of how humans behave? Some people just don't read text messages or just reply at the right time. Oh, sure. I, I think, and it's not it's not just either in the beginning or the end, right? Mm-hmm. The, everything in between. Typically, the curve looks as you'd expect, like okay. heavy in the first day, a little bit less the next day, and, you Mm -hmm. know, gradually declining to a long tail. Mm -hmm. Um, And it depends on if it's live leads, that's what it looks like. If if the leads are aged, um, that long tail is a lot more powerful. Mm -hmm. It it has to do with sales cycle, right? If you think you're buying solar panels today, I've been through this myself. Tomorrow, actually, I'm getting, Mm -hmm. or no, Monday, I'm getting solar panels installed. You know how long I've been thinking about it? You know, like, how long ago was the first time I submitted a lead or made an inquiry? 
well, it was too expensive or, you mm -hmm. know, then, you know, any M 3.0. And I was like, oh God, I got, you know, I got to get the, th the contract done by April. Like same thing with buying a home, getting mm -hmm. a mortgage, getting a HELOC, whatever it is. Like these are, everybody wishes they would, you know, decide to make the decision and buy yeah. the thing today, but it's just not how it happens. Not Most even. of historically, if you look at who verse serves, and this is changing today, but there's three things that were fundamentally had to be true in terms of like, who does verse work well for? One is, are the leads expensive? Two, is, is the value of a new deal high? Mm -hmm. And three, do two humans have to speak mm -hmm. for the deal to close, right? So it's not e-commerce. It's not, you know, somebody selling a widget for 20 bucks. These are transactions that are worth a lot of money and p companies invest a lot of money in the in the funnel to, to create the marketing opportunities. That's why we see, you know, we do see the performance over time. And, and every, every industry and every company and every lead source, I mean, there's differences in what that curve looks like. But sure. it is amazing that people will wake up six months later. We, we usually don't nurture anything longer than six months. Um, these days, often it's quite a bit shorter than that. But, mm -hmm. but you're right, we, it's what you'd expect. It starts out aggressive. Our cadences start out aggressive. They diminish over time in terms of the frequency. You know, text is, is powerful because text represents control mm -hmm. for the consumer. And even if you don't do it that well, it, it works because the consumer is in control. And that's mm -hmm. what people want. Whether it's a long string of of text messages that are pretty aggressive or whether it's, we have lots of customers who ask us to back off and be more conservative. Sure. It doesn't really matter because what we're trying to do is give the consumer the control over the dialogue. Mm -hmm. When they're ready, um, they'll be there. And sometimes people erase all the messages and, mm -hmm. you know, so that message that ar arrives on the sixth month, it's not like they can see the stream of messages sure. that occurred before it. Sometimes yeah. they do, you know, I yeah. never erase anything. Yeah, right? so like, same. The whole thread would be on my yeah. phone when I finally woke up six months later. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, so sometimes it, it, it could appear to come out of context, right? If, if we haven't sure. texted anybody in two weeks and they've erased everything, kind of like, who are you? Who yeah. is this? You know, versus somebody who's got the whole thread, the whole thread they, there. You know, they've just been kind of ignoring for whatever reason for so long. And then it's time where they want to engage. Well, and it, I mean, like the benefit to text in my mind in, in a, like a typical insurance agency isn't open 24-7, 365. But if someone responds at you know, nine o'clock at night, you know, you guys can politely text, you know, office isn't open, you know, when's a better time and really try and schedule that follow-up call. And I think that's really the benefit that we've seen with the agencies that we work with that work with Versus. We talk a lot about meeting the consumer where they want to be met. And I think that having an option that's available that allows the consumer, like you said, to be in control, but also to have a response come through right. and have that response be accurate without having an agency employee having to sit in front of a computer or phone to do it. For sure. We we see something like 30% of all leads come in after hours or weekends. Really? Okay. In most cases, our performance we can deliver on the leads that come in after hours versus the one during the day is very similar. Mm -hmm. There's some cases where there's a fall off for nighttime and weekends, but most of the time we do just as well with those leads that come in at 10 p.m. or 2 a.m. or whenever it is. If you're filling out a lead form at 2 a.m., you're awake and you're engaged. Yeah. And you may not want to talk to somebody at 2 a.m., mm -hmm. but you want to go through that first part of the conversation to get it set up. Yeah. So we're there. And if that's when they want to 
you know, have the first part of the conversation to schedule an appointment or, or obviously if we're trying to connect them to a call center that's not open at 2 a.m., mm-hmm. we're, we're going to put off that, the last piece of the conversation until the next day. But you've captured their interest and you've started a conversation and it leads to a high probability that the next day you'll be able to make the connection. And you guys don't just do prospective consumer outreach. Like you do customer service outreach uh, as well, potentially. Like you really, it can be any particular use case for getting in touch with another human. It doesn't have to be just buy leads, you yep. know, reach out to them. What are some of the other use cases that are really prevalent in your business? Reviews are a good one. Soliciting reviews, reputation management. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, we've done a few for you. We've yeah. done um, document, helping helping you get documents signed, helping you get um, payment collection. Yep. It really could be anything. Verse, one of the differentiators and what makes Verse so exciting and interesting, especially for my, you know, my role in the company mm-hmm. is it it's flexible enough and powerful enough that what I generally say is if you have a conversation and you can write it down on a piece of paper, I don't care if it's short or long or simple or complex and it has high value and it requires a conversational capability, it's not just a blast mm-hmm. and, and it makes sense to have that conversation via text, we can do it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if, if that conversation has high value to the company, then whatever we need to charge for that conversation, it, you know, it should Makes pencil sense. out. So we're excited about the evolution of all of that in the future. I mean, historically, we were really just doing lead engagement. Mm-hmm. And then we started testing other use cases over time. And, and we've been successful with, with with many of them. But there's so much more we could do there. And, you know, th- there's tons of competition, right? We also have to be careful and look at all the different kind of niches within the world of conversational texting and, and, and make sure that we continue to leverage the assets that we have that make us strong in what we do relative to, to, to um, other competitors and other use cases. But there's no doubt um, that it works. It can work for anything from a cost perspective. If it's a high value conversation, it's likely that we can do it really well and, and, and be a successful campaign for both sides. One of the interesting parts about, you know, kind of the timing of us recording this and, you know, and, and these podcasts will be like released, you know, in, in stages over the next few months. But, you know, I'm recording this, you know, at a time where the Federal Communications Commission has, you know, issued a second proposed notice of rulemaking on lead gen. Um, but, you know, not really speaking specific to that, but speaking to the FCC and like there is a robocall crisis in this country. There is a, you know, text messaging is not as bad, but there is, you know, text messages coming from bad actors that are sending malicious links and stuff like that. How does Verse work with carriers to make sure the messages you guys are sending on behalf of your clients are getting delivered to the user's phone? You know, as as, as our viewers may or may not know, that's not always the case, right? right? Carriers can just block messages from coming through, right? Right. And this wasn't something anybody talked about a year ago. Right. Right. Like this year, I legitimately feel like a quarter of our value proposition is the is deliverability mm-hmm. and compliance. But really, deliverability is harder than compliance. Really? Well, compliance, you just have to follow the yeah, law and sure, understand okay. the rules. I mean, Makes it sense. may have good or bad impacts on, on what you're doing and the yeah. performance of the campaigns, but deliverability is more complicated mm-hmm. to solve for. And nobody was ever talking about it. You know, big brands were building their own texting campaigns and being successful and getting the messages through. And today we have big brands, brands you you know you can't even imagine. I'm talking about Fortune 500 companies sure. calling Verse and saying, you know, let's talk about what you guys do because we're having deliverability problems. Mm-hmm. They have the resources, but 
um, so the point is, it you know, we have invested a lot in learning how to make sure that we can we can deliver very high rates of deliverability. It's not always perfect. It's a combination of many things. It's a combination of technology. It's a combination of relationships. So we have relationship. We have an entire carrier relationship team. Mm-hmm. You know, adverse. We have a compliance team. We have a deliverability team. These people are. We know people at Twilio. We know people at the carriers. You know, when there is a problem, we have connections and people to talk to. I don't understand all of it, but the reality is these algorithms that block texts were not really designed for conversational texting. Yeah. I understand that there's many, many times where a message that we've sent on behalf of one of our customers might be blocked, and there's absolutely absolutely nothing wrong with what we're doing. Nobody would ever claim that, you know, that's a problem, Mm -hmm. and we'll end up talking to our counterparts, you know, whatever the agency is, and show them what we're doing and that, you know, what's wrong with this? And they're like, oh, there's nothing wrong. And, you know, it gets corrected. And and over time, the algorithms get smarter to to be able to accommodate the types of conversations that we're having. I think, you know, that'll benefit the whole industry. But but it's that, it's technology, it's monitoring, it's being aware. We've had, we know that many customers have no clue that their messages are are being blocked. Exactly. Like, I know, that's huge. Most and, people would send a message and they just assume it went through without even thinking otherwise. They have no indication right. to believe that that message wouldn't have been sent in, right? The FCC has basically told the carriers that you don't have to tell people you're blocking the message. You can just block the message. Yeah, and think about some of, the, some of the scenarios I think about. Let's say that 10% of your messages are being blocked. You may never really come to realize that because – Maybe your business is seasonal and you're headed into the you know period of the year where performance is ten percent less anyway. Mm-hmm. Unless it just falls off the cliff and it really has you scratching your head, going, "Nothing else has changed. What's you know what yeah. what what variable could be causing this? Yeah. You know, a reduction in fifty percent in conversions that might make somebody start thinking. I wonder if our messages are getting delivered. Mm-hmm. But when it's not a huge impact, it's probably invisible. To yeah. so many companies because there's many things that could, you know, cause their performance to rise and fall. And this is just one more. But if it's not a huge number, um, people may just assume it's other factors. <laughs> I would agree with that. And I think that most most people watching this are probably completely unaware that their messages can even be blocked. Like, that that's a thing. I mean, we're starting to see people be more aware of it, like you said, you know, within probably the past 12 months. I certainly would have never anticipated it before. And I think that that's always the benefit of working with a specialist, right? You guys are specialists at this. You know exactly what you're doing. You know how to do it. You have those teams in place. You have those relationships that would be nearly impossible for the average insurance agent, the average solar panel installation company, the average realtor to have to make sure that they get through. So, you know, in my mind, the value proposition of using a company like Verse is not only, you know, your core value, but this very, I wouldn't even call it an ancillary value, but this really additional value, making sure that the messages are being delivered. And you guys have teams that show you, and I know we've talked about this a few months ago, you know, you know if there's a deliverability issue going on, unlike if I was just sending text through Twilio or whoever. No, we know we know instantly, mm-hmm. and we can see it develop. You know, sometimes there's minor disturbances, and, mm-hmm. and they're fine, right? They're so small, they're, not, they're, they're yeah. not really killing the metrics on any campaign. But you can see how I've been involved in some some use cases with deliverability issues where you can see how it starts – over here, you know, and then it spreads, mm-hmm. you know, because we we provision lots of numbers for sure. our larger customers, and 
for whatever, you know, and we, we do all kinds of variation and we, we do a lot to make sure that it doesn't look like we're doing massive, you know, blasting, right? Yeah. If Even for our larger customers, we might be doing thousands of messages a day. Not all of those messages have the same text, right? The same verbiage and it's mainly the initial message. Mm -hmm. So we run many variations, all effectively saying the same thing, yep. um, but it would, with slight tweaks, different words, um, partially for that reason to, to ensure, to help with deliverability. But you can see where, let's say there's six of those variants, one of them gets flagged and, you know, there's 20 numbers that are provisioned that happen to get that message. The other ones are fine, right? And, and we see that and we literally can make the connection that that variant is a problem, get rid of it, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, right away. And, you know, it's these are the, it, it's that type of detail that, that we can kind of see and that level of operational efficiency that we can bring to the table to, to catch problems early and address them and fix them immediately before they spread, you know, more deeply across the, the suite of numbers that we've provisioned for a customer. And so let's talk about this for, for a second. You guys started in the real estate vertical. Today, you work in many, many, many different you know, industries. Just give us a few besides besides insurance, besides real estate. What what other kinds of companies do you work with? Sure, we. Um, it's true. For five years, we were in real estate only because we've been around for almost eleven years. Okay. Today, we're in uh, real estate, mortgage, uh, education, home services, solar, insurance, finance, and other things too. You know, the, another thing that excites me about Verse is that it's universal. Mm -hmm. There are there are probably thirty industries that you could define where where we have an equal probability of being strong. We just haven't had enough time to go to all of them yet. Sure. And I mean, admittedly, there'll be some that would be harder to penetrate because time has elapsed and there's more competition. But, you know, what we do is is a very universal solution that could apply. And we have lots of one-off customers. Like, you know, we have a joint pain institute, right? Mm -hmm. um, we have a little bit in healthcare. We have just Customers that come out of the weeds, we, we do some legal tort. So yeah, there, there's certainly been a focus. It's based on how we built the company. We've tried to get a critical mass of knowledge so we can sound like we know what we're talking about as we pursue a particular industry and focus, make a concerted effort to to um, to make an initial penetration and then build on that if it's successful. Is it, That's how we generally approached it mm -hmm. over the last five years. But now it's it's less of that. Now we are absolutely confident that it could pretty much work for anything. One of our challenges moving forward is how do we position the company to attract all of those things that that we could serve well um, instead of you know just selling into six or seven or ten industries. And insurance is one of the industries that you guys are looking to grow in, and you know we've talked about that before. And you know from my perspective, it seems like it's the perfect industry to grow in because I mean at least on the customer acquisition side, there's a lot of insurance. Like insurance leads are like one of, you know, probably by volume, the highest amount of leads, you know, in, in the ecosystem today, because let's face it, everyone needs auto insurance, right? The government mandates it. You know, I don't know, I would assume like 90% of Americans have a mortgage on their home. And, you know, they're under a contract with their mortgage to, to keep insurance on it. So it's a product that everyone needs one way or another. And so everyone frequently looking, especially in today's insurance economy, right, where rates have gone up and up and up. And I know we talked about that a few weeks ago with your own personal insurance, right? Rates are going up and up and up. People are shopping. And so there is a high amount of shoppers in the market. This is an efficient way for, you know, insurance agencies to get somebody on the phone. And so I guess 
Walk us through and just tell us even, you know, a little bit about Call Connect or Contact mm-hmm. Connect service and kind of what that means and and what a flow would look like to get an inbound call through. Right. And and I can also explain kind of how it evolved and why and why all of a sudden we can help ins- yeah. you know, yeah, insurance please. agents. Yeah, because yeah. like I like I said earlier, there there were three fundamental things that had to be true. One is the leads had to be expensive and the and the, the value of the service being sold had to be expensive. And mm-hmm. I'm talking about, you know, a home, a mortgage, solar panels, you know, a new pool or whatever it is. These are Talking about a lot of money, like mm-hmm. that's, uh, insurance is generally a lot less expensive, and the leads are a lot less expensive. Leads are tremendously <laughs> less expensive than right. those other verticals. Yeah. So we had a cost structure that you know over time the percentage of activity that's been handled by human beings in the conversations that we hold on behalf of our customers has declined. Right. So three years ago, everything we did was in theory more expensive because there was more human involvement. Got it. So over time, we've evolved to the point where we can we can kind of throttle the level of human assets involved in a conversation. And and also just generally speaking, the AI has gotten so much better that the costs have gone down. And that's why we can, that's why we intentionally more or less ignored insurance as a vertical for many years. Um, but then as we got to the point where we could serve it and be cost effective, then we started pursuing it. And, and as you as you well know, it works. Cause I mean, with, with auto insurance, these are not very expensive leads and the value of a new policy is not that high relative to some of these other things we're talking about. So Call Connect is really the the use case. We call it Call Connect that in most cases will be a low-cost engagement, a low-cost conversation style that'll work for a situation like this. And it it is very simply just engaging the consumer via text because text gets through the noise and text is transparent and it works. But the intent of the conversation is to drive an inbound phone call to a team, mm-hmm. a call center or a sales team. And that is inexpensive. That piece of it can be automated. Mm-hmm. We're doing an IVR style transfer. We're not doing a warm transfer that requires human beings to sure. get somebody on the phone and get the other side on the phone. And so an IRV transfer, just for folks who might not be familiar, just explain that real yeah, quick. Yeah, that's that's a transfer where we're just imagine a conversation where we're saying, you know, reaching out to you to uh, following up on your inquiry about auto insurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this a good time to speak with a licensed agent? And if they say yes, then we say, great, uh, we're going to call you. So mm-hmm. we call from the same number we just texted. They pick up the phone and they they hear us say, this is Alex from you know, Encore Insurance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, press one to be connected with a licensed agent now. Got it. They press one, we dial into whatever number we've been configured to dial, and you pick up the phone and you're on your way. Right. So that's, you know, that's that's short and sweet. Like mm-hmm. the example I just gave. It's not always that easy. We can add qualification questions in into the flow so that if you if you don't want us to transfer a call to your business until we've established that that lead is qualified in some way or not, we can certainly, you know, the longer the conversation is, the the more cost there is. Cause the the minute you start asking questions, it just it takes more resources, even if it's just telecommunication resources. But the minute you start asking questions, it increases the probability that at some point in that conversation, a human asset will become involved. But no matter what, those are those are relatively low cost engagements compared mm-hmm. to some of the other ones. You know where we're reaching out, asking seven questions, some of which are open ended. <laughs> Uh, you know that that the AI may not be able to interpret easily, and at the end of it, we're going through a laborious appointment setting process. You You're know, talking about appointments, like sometimes in certain cases, someone coming out to the person's home yeah, to like, like a yeah contractor, bo- literally booking an appointment on a digital calendar mm-hmm. on behalf of the you know with the consumer and the and the service provider that we 
that we represent. In, in an actual in-person appointment. Yeah, yeah. or yeah, virtual. Yeah. I or mean, vir- during okay. COVID, there sure, was lots of virtual sure, sure. appointments. And, and for some businesses, they're all virtual mm-hmm. um, or phone appointments. But but yeah, like in, in home services and solar, at least half of our customers want in in person, yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone's going to do a renovation to your house or something. They need to see the scope of the project in right. kind of a meaningful way, I would think. So it's interesting to me because I always just think with like my insurance agent hat on and like, all right, we just want to talk to someone on the phone, want to give them a quote, want to just sell them a policy and move on, right? But you guys can do much more than that is what you're saying. Like you're literally having – scheduling to have someone come out to someone else's home to like, you know, do a full consultation on Mm -hmm. some, yeah, Yeah. that's fascinating. I mean. There's two levels of that because the conversation example I gave you before was really easy. They said yes right away, but Mm -hmm. usually they say, you know, get back to me at five o'clock. I'm at work. Yeah. I I can't talk to somebody now. And then, and then, you know, what we do is we just listen to them and do what they ask, right? Once again, it's putting the consumer in control. So Mm -hmm. if they want to push it off till five o'clock, we say, great, we'll we'll reach back out at five. And we do. Mm -hmm. And then they say, oh, my kid's crying, you know, call me next week. And we say, we will. And we just keep going down the line. We eventually get them when the time is right, when they want to have that conversation. You know, the best time to call is when they want to call. Yeah. No, that makes complete sense, right? I mean, like we're, we, I talk a lot about respecting consumer choices and, and, you know, doing to someone else what you would want done to you. And, you know, you're, you said earlier, you're empowering the consumer. I think that's the, that's a perfect way to position it because it, it helps brands reputation for the brands that are using verse. And it also is just, it's the logical thing. If you want to to win this person's business, you don't want to talk to them when they kids crying in the background or when they're at work, right? Oh, you yeah. want to talk to them at the right time. And I think that's really being able to do that at scale without a tool like Verse is nearly impossible, right? Oh, not only that, not only is it impossible, but it's a nightmare for whoever's job that is. Yeah. You know, people don't realize it, but, you know, I think so many companies tell their sales team to start leveraging the power of text, yeah. right? And in some cases, there's systems and everything. But in a lot of cases, they're just like taking their cell phone and starting to text people. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're going to open up a text conversation, you better be there when, when the person this person responds. Yeah. But you're not because you, how can you be? You've got a life and a family and you're putting your yeah. kids to bed and you're eating dinner and you're at a movie. If that's when people get back to you and, and you're silent, that's not good. Mm-hmm. Right? You're, you could be doing more harm than harm good. Harm than good, absolutely. Uh, for this type of thing to really work well. We don't we don't care how unresponsive somebody is, but our promise to our customers is when somebody finally engages, we're there mm-hmm. and we're awake twenty four seven and we will respond immediately, right? And you know we'll respect the fact that they're ready now. Mm-hmm. and this is the time to continue the conversation. And so, like going into some of the other use cases because I think this is this is very interesting. Like we did this with um, you know, in the insurance world of of clients who hadn't paid their bill, right? And, you know, just gently reaching out to them to, you know, say, hey, you know, we're just reaching out to you to to see, you know, what's going on. Let us know, you know, give us a call. But having that ability for these insurance requires a lot of touch points, right? Renewals, you know, missed payments, claims, it's a it's a human to human business, no doubt, and being able to automate some of that activity, not just in a a one message way. Like I've seen this, you know, where with certain, you know, certain insurance carriers where they'll just send a 
payment made, payment received, payment, right. this like just kind of transactional text message, let's say. But this is in a conversational way. Like, you know, okay, reach out to me on Thursday and I'll make the payment then versus reaching out on Thursday to transfer that person into the office to make a payment. Or I already made the payment five minutes ago online. Thanks for texting me. You know, being able to have these in conversational ways, there's a lot of different different use cases. And what I'm really, the reason I'm bringing this up is I think members of our audience who are watching and listening should think about different use cases where you have high amounts of human touch points in your agency. And can we automate those through conversational messaging? I think there's probably a lot more that we could do, like even just reaching out a week after a claim's filed. Hey, just checking up on you to make sure everything's going well with your claim. Is there anything that we could do better, anything you need? Um, Surveys, reputation management. And um, surveys, right? I mean, that's, you know, you said that towards the beginning of this conversation. I really like thinking about that again when you say that, right? Google reviews is a huge, for everyone's SEO, it's like there's a huge emphasis on getting you know, quality reviews. How does that work with the clients you're you're working in? Do you have, like, is it, I mean, look, if someone asks me to leave a review, I'm probably going to leave the review. If nobody asks, I'm, unless something goes just miserably wrong, I'm not one, not going to just, I don't know, maybe I should. I just, by default, don't say, oh, that went great. I should leave a review. Maybe I should think that way, but I don't. Um, But if someone asks, so, I mean, you're literally just, reaching out and then sending them a link like right to leave a Google review or whatever? It depends. We do it many ways. Uh, One way is that imagine that the review that the customer wants is a, you know, they want the consumer to answer three questions. Mm -hmm. So we can have the entire conversation on text. You Mm -hmm. know, are you, are you willing to provide a review? Yes. Great. I got three questions. And then we go through the questions, we get all the data and we pass it back to them. So, so one is, is that way, just conversationally have the, you know, collect all the data. Two is, it's funny, a lot of companies that are interested in reviews, uh, it depends on who they are. Actually, not so much with direct brands, but with with marketplaces, you know, like an Angie or a, a place for mom. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think about reviews from their perspective, a lot of times they want to drive somebody onto the phone because they believe they'll be able to get multiple reviews out of mm. one phone call. Okay. So sometimes it's about call connect, right? Mm-hmm. Just make, see if the consumer is okay with, with providing a review. And if so, connect them to a human being whose job is to be intake on Got reviews it. and maximize the number of reviews. And it could be anything in between as well. We could we could just provide a link, mm-hmm. but you know, that's not conversational per se. Sure. I mean, we can kind of be after them with a cadence yeah. over time. Or ask it. how the you know, how the experience was and if right. it was great, then, you know, perhaps engage them to do a Google review. But the power of verse and the same thing is true for appointments. You you can get through a conversation and ask a consumer three or four questions to be sure they're qualified, and and now you know you want to set an appointment as the next step. You could just say, "Here's a link. Go ahead." Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, you could make the argument that that's ideal because that's putting the consumer in control. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, when you do that, guess what? People don't do it. And so what we do in that situation is, well, we could just leave the link and hope for the best. We proactively make the appointment, you know, Got it. We, we go back and forth, you know, is Tuesday good? No, yeah. you know, whatever it takes, however many back and forth it takes to, to f- arrive at a time that the consumer feels good about, there's no more powerful way to maximize the number of, you know, qualified leads that get to that last stage, which is setting the appointment or in the case of a review, you know, if we can keep control of the conversation since they're engaged and get the review in the conversation or transfer to a human being who's talking to them right now, 
that's always going to be way better than hoping somebody clicks on a link to complete yeah. a job or a sure. process, right? So we can do it. I mean, you know, and there are there are use cases where the best thing to do is provide a link, mm -hmm. and we have those. Sometimes, like somebody who's dropped off halfway through an application, mm -hmm. right? You, all you can really do is try and encourage them to click the link and get Go back, back in, in right? yeah. So um, it just depends. You know, we talked a little bit about, you know, folks filling uh, or folks, you know, coming in late into a conversation, you know, like, you know, polite messages, polite messages, polite messages, bam, they're there. We also find, at least in my experience, consumers can opt out of text messaging very easily. Now, I have two like ways to approach that in my brain. Like, great, let's get them out early. We're not wasting any human resources, like, you know, trying to track down this person who doesn't want to talk to us. But some of my thought is like, well, maybe that person just didn't want to text or maybe the text came in at a bad time or maybe they were in a bad mood and they opted out early. How do you see opt-out rates? Are they increasing as people get more marketing text messages? Have they been pretty steady over time? Like any, what are your thoughts on it generally? Yeah, there's a lot to say about that. Um, I don't think we're seeing in much of an increase in opt-out rates. It, of course, it it's all over the place, right? It depends on the quality of the leads. It depends on what the campaign is. We monitor that. It's it's one of the early indicators we look at to get a sense for the quality of leads. And it's funny because we always had we haven't had opt out language in our in our text conversations forever, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's I don't know. I feel like maybe it's three years ago we were kind of started making sure it was in every single message. And in the beginning, we were freaking out, going, "Oh my God, everybody's just going to opt out." And, mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of people do, relatively sure. speaking, but then you start looking at the performance, you know, what really happened at the end of the funnel, like, you know, maybe they made just as many sales anyway, so it indicated that if they're opting out, you weren't going to get anywhere with them anyway. Now, that's not always true. I mean, there is a legitimate concern that there's a, it's a low friction way to opt out. Um, and, you know, we talk to customers all the time or prospects who are concerned that, there's too little friction and they're going to see more opt-outs than, you know, than would, would occur in a different channel mm -hmm. um, or, you know, primarily via phone. You know, net-net, I think the positives end up outweighing the negatives every single time. And the other thing about it, every company is different in terms of their risk tolerance, but when somebody does opt out of texting when, when versus texting with them on behalf of one of our customers, they haven't opted out of taking phone calls, they haven't opted opted out of receiving a text manually. So some companies will say, well, if they opt out anywhere, I'm going to leave them alone everywhere. Yeah. Other companies will just only only stop communicating, you know, where they need to legally. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know all the nuances, <laughs> sure. but but I mean it's it's not black and white. You know, it's it's it, not it all or nothing. It um, certainly is when there's an opt out. You know, opt out rates aren't as high as probably a lot of people think. I agree. Uh, on quality campaigns, brand has a lot to do with it. Mm -hmm. When you're when you're running a campaign for a Lowe's or a, mm -hmm. you know, Fairway Mortgage, you know, or Lennar Homes, mm -hmm. those brands have a lot of horsepower and opt-out rates are going to be lower. Mm -hmm. When you're, you know, Johnny's Windows, yeah, and nobody knows who you are. Yep. Um, it's different. So it it depends. And I mean, the future of this industry and this business and our business We've made an intentional decision to, to, you know, every year to work close, to spend more resources building platforms to serve legitimate brands, yep. mid-tier to enterprise companies um, who appreciate all the technology we bring to the table, all the horsepower, 
everything, right? Yep. All the flexibility, all the trackability, all the attribution capability. So many of our customers over the years just kind of leverage Verse in a fairly simplistic way. Mm-hmm. You know, just kind of text our leads, get a hold of them, pass them to us. But the larger, more sophisticated customers, they're passing us tons of attribution data that flows all the way through everything we do so that they're getting early indicators on campaign performance. Because if in a long sales cycle, an appoint, like setting an appointment or a call transfer rate is is a really great early indicator of what's going to happen three months down the line if it's a 90-day sales cycle. Mm-hmm. And so they can make decisions faster about which campaigns are working, you know, down to you know, down to the creative, right? I mean, they can pass us attribution parameters that are as granular as they want. And then on our dashboard, they can slice and dice all the data, mm-hmm. and, you know, for, for what we can see on our side of the fence, they can get early, early results. And these days we, we obviously take in the full funnel metrics as well and make that available on the dashboard so they can, they can see full funnel metrics within our world. Yeah. The reporting that you guys have in your platform is mm-hmm. phenomenal. And I think that. You know, anyone who uses it would agree because it, it breaks out, you know, it can break down by lead source, lead type, you know, campaign type and really exactly what's what's the opt out rate? Who do we get in contact with? How many calls did we transfer? You know, um, and, you know, we've talked about being able to pass full funnel metrics back and to show which ones, you know, closed, which ones were just quoted and really being able to see all the data in one place, which is really beneficial. Um, one of the things that I like most about your platform is we can see every message. Uh, we can see every interaction and we can rate those interactions. So tell us just a little bit about, you know, what the rating actually does. Like it's like kind of a, a one through five star situation, right. you know, and how do you guys use that input to get better and, you know, are your customers generally reviewing and putting it out there? Should they? Does that make, does that make you guys better? Yes, absolutely. It, it's a great feature. Um, it's not used a ton. It tends to be used in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like what we do is kind of magical in the beginning, right? And they're very curious, you know, what are you saying to these people and how are these conversations going? So when we are, when we have a customer that's new, a lot of times they'll go into the dashboard and they'll look at conversations and and they'll find that, you know, in most cases they're very impressed, mm-hmm. right? Um, there are mistakes, right? There are times when the AI doesn't interpret something correctly and there's even times when a human being will make a mistake. So they find those things too. You know, somebody who's a high volume customer who's kind of looking at the big picture is generally not concerned about, you know, a mistake one out of a thousand times. Yeah. Right. Completely irrelevant. Yep. It's going to happen. No, you know, we've had many customers who look at every single conversation and freak out about every single mistake. And we've determined those aren't the customers we want. We fired them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the, but the rating system, so it it does get used and it's generally in the beginning when our customers are curious about, Mm -hmm. you know, for one, they're just kind of monitoring and whether they're skeptical or excited or whatever it is, but they're looking at it because they pay a lot of money for the leads, right? Mm -hmm. It makes sense. Like, because in some cases they're literally letting verse pursue the leads alone they're yep. not, they're they're stopping their internal efforts to pursue the leads you know they're doing something else with those resources um so they're in a way taking a big risk right and so that's why they look at the conversations and when they see them if they don't like the way something was handled it's a five-star review system anything that's a three or less essentially creates a ticket um you know in our world a customer service ticket we look and see what happened we, we read what they said uh, see if we can address it. Maybe maybe the problem was caused by a script that wasn't optimized properly. Mm-hmm. Maybe the 
the problem was just a one-off mistake, whatever it may be, it, it creates a ticket where we look at it. And if it's something we can address or improve or optimize, we do. It also informs the algorithms. It's like, if we didn't handle something correctly, you know, now the algorithm has seen one instance of that's bad, you know, mm-hmm. don't do that again. And it's the opposite on the good side. If it's yeah. a four or five-star review, um, it, it, there's no need to create any kind of a service ticket, but it helps us yep. understand what is the right way to handle a situation. And and on high-volume customers, there's enough data where over time it can actually make a difference. So that's how we use that. That's fascinating because, you know, it's one of my favorite features about your platform because if there's something that could have been done better, in my opinion, or something that went really well, right? I think feedback on everyone is good. And, I, you know, it's it's great to see that you guys are open to feedback on such, you know, an easy way to give it to, right? right? It's not like you have to email someone or something. It's just right there, boom, you can give the rating, you know, you can give an explanation. There's so much that can be learned, and most of the customers never really get into it, but we do. You know, looking at the conversations, you know, lead source by lead source, mm-hmm. looking at all the tiny little nuances of what's going on, you know, language issues, verbiage. Mm-hmm. Um, we look at all that stuff over time and, you know, with volume over time. And, and over time, it has an impact on what we do and what we say and when we say it. So um, it is powerful. I agree. What's one thing, one thing that excites you about Verse today? One thing that you're excited for in the future of Verse, you know, maybe, you know, something new you guys are trying or something, you know, that you're doing today really well. Just uh, one quick thing that uh, you're, you're thrilled about. I, I'm, I'm really excited about how we're, we're beginning to reposition the company. Um, it has a lot to do with how we price the service, how the perception of where the value comes from. Because historically, it's kind of been, you know, how many leads do you have? We figure out what we're going to do for you and how much do we need to charge per lead. Mm -hmm. And it's really a very narrow value conversation. And there's so much more under the hood today. You know, the deliverability is an example of it. There are situations when, for larger customers, when to be able to have the ability to quickly create campaigns that are long-term, short-term, tweak them as you you're going. You guys are flexible, which we're is completely fantastic. flexible. Like, we're moving towards companies who appreciate that type of flexibility. Like, they're going to appreciate that we do it right, we mm-hmm. do it well, we do it fast. We can pretty much do whatever they want, and they'll pay for that. And, mm-hmm. and they don't think of it as $2 a lead or $5 yeah. a lead. Yeah, We're getting a lot better at uncovering all of the value that we provide to our customers. And like I said, it's mainly with the larger ones who appreciate and can measure these things because there's enough activity for some of these things to be material, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's about better performance. It's about cost savings. It's about operational efficiencies. It's about reducing headaches, which, you know, are kind of a softer, that whole side of the story is a little bit softer and harder to prove. But think about a you know, people who have to hire and fire a large sales team because it's a seasonal business. That goes away, right? Yep. Like you or with verse, you can you don't necessarily have to fire your sales staff, and that's generally not what happens. What generally happens is it's a company that wants to grow, and they've got sure. five people who are calling on the phone, and now they have verse, and they don't have to do they that. But to. those five people can we can now triple the volume of sales for the company with those same five people, right? So it's it's more about repurposing and 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 using accelerating technolo- yeah using technology and ver- you know not just verse but lots of technology to to um, let humans do what they do well and let technology 
do what it does well. <laughs> well, look, I think that's the principal value proposition. I've said this to many people before. You know, when I every insurance agency that I owned or operated, I always wanted closers. I did not want hunters. I think, right, you have to play to people's skill set, people who are going to be very good uh, salespeople. They want to talk to people who are interested in selling or buying what they're selling. They don't necessarily want to have the same thing. You know, they don't want to be a glorified telemarketer. Yeah, in it's my horrible. Opinion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now accelerating that is is the principal, like, you know, value proposition and be able to do it at scale. And honestly, at a, at a very, 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 you know, inexpensive rate. You know, I would say this, right? You know, this is a service that you can add on to any leads that you buy from Lead Clinic. You know, if you're a buyer of, you know, many, many, many leads, you can reach out to Verse directly to purchase your services as well. But, you know, in my opinion, accelerating any business um, using the proper technology is is really important and playing to people's strengths instead of having someone sitting there texting, sitting there calling, right? Automate that. Let those people close deals. They'll be happier. The, oh, they'll yeah. be making more money. The business will be making more money. And, right, we can automate kind of this stuff that really humans shouldn't have been doing anyways, in my opinion. So I think that's that's the value of your service. We're proud to partner with you. And, you know, Paul, thanks for being here. Thanks for partnering with us. We appreciate you. And uh, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. Likewise. <laughs>